and Brit. Brad and Brit, the perfect combination of brawn and wit. Politics, sports, and trending shit. Let's tune in to Brad and Brit. It is the Brad and Brit cast. Thanks for joining us. We're back to regular time. We're live in the 1.30 to 2.30 Eastern hour going live here on Wednesday. Wednesday. All right. Uh, if uh, folks are with us live, they see below my face, Herschel Heisman, Daddy of the Year. Yeah. Holy moly. It seems to me that this just cements his credentials even more, right? As a Republican hypocrite running for office in the, in the shadow of Donald Trump, the king of political hypocrisy in our lifetime. Uh, first glance, you'd go, well, well wait a minute, what, what, what's going on? How can Herschel Walker survive something like this? being the father of a uh, secret 10-year-old son that he's never admitted to, that he's estranged from. Well, he's admitted to, he, he does pay for the kid. He pays child, all, all that kind of stuff. But he's kept it quiet, okay? He's never acknowledged it. And, of course, when you couple that with what's Herschel Walker said in the great tradition of Fox News Republican uh, welfare queen, racist shit which is of course um absentee fathers are the real problem in this country and i herschel walker being the great herschel walker if you elect me uh i'll help solve that problem which of course politicians can't solve that problem but he's railed against absentee fathers um uh, just like every other white republican <laughs> that's ever uh brought that issue up and of course when a white republican is talking about it. They're usually almost always talking about black absentee fathers. But Herschel Walker gets a pass on that in the state of Georgia because he won the Heisman Trophy. Okay. Uh, um, Mr. Walker, who faces Senator Raphael Warnock, a Democrat in November, has praised his relationship with his 22-year-old son. So he talks to that one all the time. Why don't you talk about that, Brad? He well, and the 22-year-old have a great relationship. The, 22, the 22-year-old is a huge Georgia Bulldogs fan. <laughs> there you go. And has been all the way. So, of course, he's going to be on good relations with the older kid. Of course. <laughs> the 10-year-old kid showing some strange Florida proclivities, and we just can't have it. We cannot have that. Great to be a Gator hater. Uh, the court made a declaration of paternity and... Herschel Walker was ordered to pay child support, and the kid did take his last name. Of course, he paid child support only after being sued by <laughs> the mother. So knock that one out. The, uh, uh, he's an absentee father, but at least he paid. Well, you know, when you, have to be, when you have to pay at gunpoint, it's not quite the same thing, but okay. This must have been, the, uh, this must have been one of those Maury Povich shows that I missed. Yeah. Now, Britt, look, I, what, I was reading this story and I thought these are dilemmas that all come together for re white Republican, possibly racist cracker voters in Georgia. OK, yeah. so think about this. Possibly. Under normal circumstances, they never would vote for a black guy no. running for Senate, no matter what party they're from. They're just because that's a. But on the other hand. They're part of the, we have to own the libs no matter what. 
Right. So the best way to own the libs is to throw a black guy Republican at the uh, black Democrat who holds the seat. So, okay, I'll hold my nose and I'll forget that I'm a racist and I'll vote for Herschel Walker because he's Republican. But then he exhibits, and this isn't the first example of it. I mean, Herschel Walker is just a complete dolt. I mean, there's so many things he's done wrong over the years that it's just, it's immeasurable. But to then have this come out and for him to be a stereotype of that, which not only he rails against himself, and now it's revealed he is one of those, but for the white, racist, Republican voters who will vote along with the party and or Trump no matter what, do they just ignore this one, Britt? Oh, yeah. I leave it to you to make this yes. decision. 100%. 100% ignore it. They have no idea what you're talking about. Shut up. Never happened. Well, no, they, they, no, they do know what you're talking about, but, but – do, do they ignore it? I mean, this yes. is this the equivalent of the the Access Hollywood tape? It just oh, doesn't yes. matter. It doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't matter. No. The development is the latest and potentially the most damaging of a number of reports detailing Mr. Walker's exaggerations and outright falsehoods concerning his life before entering politics. Brad, he has falsely claimed that he worked as a member of law enforcement in Georgia and with the FBI Quantico. He's also exaggerated his business record as the owner of a poultry company that collapsed years before he ran for office. Wait, I can answer the first one. Okay. Elvis thought he was a wow. federal agent also, didn't he? Just one of the bad. Didn't Elvis fashion himself as just one of the bad. There's all those great pictures of him with Nixon. Right? Supposedly so, it was the most requested uh, photo in the history of the National Archives. That particular picture of him and Nixon. I believe it. Yeah. I believe it. Uh there are two, by the way, there are two movies, two, I think both of them were made for television. The, the, one of them was, had Kevin Spacey as Nixon that detailed the uh, ordeal of uh, Elvis Presley going up to D.C. to try to get that badge from Nixon. He was turned away from the White House at first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, uh, I think they completely, they, they completely ignore this. They'd rather have Herschel Walker as a deadbeat dad than have Raphael Warnock as a, in a full term in the Senate. But here's the funny. In the case of Herschel Walker, you can't say, well, I agree with his policies, but he has no policies. There's no policy. He doesn't engage in debate. It's irrelevant. I mean, Herschel Walker is the embodiment of the politics of our era, which less and less is dependent on anything that a candidate says in terms of philosophy, policy, intentions, what they actually would do, maybe what they have done if they're, they're in office already, but we're talking about candidates here. It's just not relevant now how unfit and incompetent and frankly stupid Herschel Walker is that means nothing. The tribalistic tendencies of people to, I'm, I'm telling you, if the Republican Party erected a 220 pound mound of jello, all right, and said, this is our candidate, it automatically gets about 40% of the vote, might not have enough to win, but maybe the jello would win. And it's not important. 
what what the Jello has to say. That I like Jello. I'm a fan of Jello. I've always liked Jello, and you hate Jello, so I'm voting for Jello. <laughs> is that what this is? Well, the what beauty of the, the beauty of Herschel Walker is, as you say, there's no positions. He's whatever Trump wants. He's for whatever Trump wants. That makes it extremely easy for the for the, the Republican voters in Georgia to know exactly where he stands on everything. He can just refer no, to Trump. No, but no, you're wrong, and here's why. If you asked him a direct question about yeah. something that quote unquote Trump wants, he can't explain it to you. He is pardon me for saying this. He's a borderline illiterate. Mm -hmm. He is close to moron status. Mm -hmm. All right. He makes Tommy Tuberville look like a Rhodes scholar, a genius. Yeah. That's how dumb Herschel Walker is. That's how bad. That's how unfit. I mean, this has taken the celebrityization of to, to even another level. You can't compare him almost to anyone I think that's ever run for no, it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard. It's really, really hard. Um, the closest that you would come, certainly not as a senator, but Marjorie Taylor Greene is pretty stupid. I'd say he, he's in that level. You think he's dumber than she is? Uh, sadly, yes. <laughs> sadly, yes. Um, With the peach tree dish and everything else, you think that he's, he's dumber than that? Um, the gazpacho police? I know. <laughs> Again, you're being unfair to me. <laughs> you're being unfair to me asking me who's, who's the dumbest politician in Georgia. And as you bring those things up, I am reconsidering my position, <laughs> but I'm sticking right now with with Herschel Walker. Now the um, polling, the polling stuff is not real clear about Warnock versus Walker, but the stuff that I see so far shows it's not. He's not doing badly. He's doing pretty well against Raphael Warnock. Of course he is. Of course he is, Britt. <laughs> what, what, what did you th did you think that? Wow, uh, I'm a Republican, but Herschel Walker. I don't think he's got what it takes to be a senator. I want to vote for Raphael Warnock, although even though I rep no, it doesn't work that way. You know that. Or you it stay doesn't home. matter. Herschel Walker is a Jello candidate. There's nothing there. <laughs> the Jello candidate. There's nothing there. It's good stuff. You know? Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. Uh, have you seen the video today that the January sixth committee released? Of the three-hour tour, the yeah. three-hour tour. Yeah. Um, uh, here's the problem, and, and you're going to see this over the next uh, couple days if you haven't seen it now. Um, this is a reconnaissance mission to scope out what the Capitol looks like so that when they attack it, they'll know where they're going. These people are taking pictures of stairways, doors, right. none of the things that if you're a tourist and you're in the Capitol that you're taking pictures of. If you're in the Capitol, you know, you're you're taking pictures of the big room and you're taking pictures of the statue of, of James Madison or wh whatever else they have in there. You're not taking you're not taking uh, schematic style photos 
uh, as if you were working for Google Maps, <laughs> you were going to map out the the building for 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 people to uh, know where they're going. No, that, and, and this is the same tour that the Capitol Police on Tuesday said, "Oh, we didn't find anything untoward about it. Nothing, nothing to see. Right? Yeah, no, no big deal." Um. You know, this is that that idiot congressman Barry Loudermilk. Who? Yeah, who, who's Louder? Refresh my memory on Loudermilk because that's another guy that I'm not real familiar with. Is uh, is he the guy from uh, Tennessee? Check that out. Let me take check, a look. Check that that out. No, I'm sorry. Hang on. Excuse me. I'm stupid. He's from Georgia. He's a Republican uh, from Georgia. Okay. Georgia's a bit of a problem. Georgia, we got a problem. Right. So they they released the video. And this is the, the video of, of his constituents being given a tour. And the January 6th panel, and they tweeted this out on Wednesday, they said that this is individuals on the tour photographing and recording areas not typically of interest to tourists, hallways, staircases, and security checkpoints. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, when I visit, uh, sure. when I visit Chicago, the first thing I do – I whip out my camera in O'Hare Airport and I take pictures of all the TSA agents because it's really exciting when you get to Chicago. To I don't know that. about you, but I like to have photographic evidence of the fire escapes. Those are the fire exits and the fire. That's, that's where I need to go. That's what I concentrate on when I'm taking some photos. And the the uh, audio that accompanies it uh, is amazing. And one of the people on the tour did walk into the Capitol the next day making all the threats to Nancy Pelosi. You can hear him on the tape. Uh, uh, you're going to scalp Pelosi. You're going to have to cover up that bald spot. Was there something? We're going to have to get your hair done again, Nancy. Oh, it's just bullshit. So I, I'm, something's going to have to be resolved here really, really quick with the Capitol Police saying nothing to see here and the January 6th committee saying, Lots to see here. <laughs> what what's going on with that? I don't expect you to have an answer, but what is? It's a rhetorical question. What is that all about? Couldn't tell you. Because Loudermilk is already saying, "Well, guess what? I've been exonerated." Doesn't this sound familiar? It's just yeah. like Trump. Well, Mueller are. said I did nothing wrong. No, yeah. Mueller didn't say you did nothing wrong. <laughs> Mueller didn't say that at all. And then Bill Bill Barr one hundred percent backed him up. Said that the 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 report showed that he was completely exonerated. Yeah, of course. Loudermilk right. is uh, Loudermilk covers the Atlanta suburbs, including in Marietta, Marietta, Georgia. I think that's where the Braves ballpark is now in that area. There's the uh, uh, there's more there's more stuff that's come out today, being Wednesday, on an off day for the hearings. It's good that they're going to now get the hearings coordinated with the uh, with uh, Game Six of the NBA Finals, but it's not in prime time. It won't be a conflict. It's, it's during the day. Well, hopefully, Golden State can go ahead and finish off Boston. That'll be the end of that on Thursday, right? Yeah, that'll be the end of that. That's All right. So here we go. The, it's the end of the finals today. Today they released the committee did the indictment that was uh, filed in March against. Henry Enrique Tario, who's the Proud Boys guy. And in the indictment is a document called 
1776 returns. And this has got the plans. It starts with a Google map screen capture of the Capitol, and they circle all the entrance points. And then it says, fill the buildings with patriots and communicate our demands to maintain control over a select few but crucial buildings in the D.C. area for a set period of time, presenting our demands in unity. We need many people as possible. He doesn't say we need as many people. He just says we need many people as possible inside these buildings. Can we nitpick the grammar on this, too? Word economy, uh, Brad. If you, if you learn nothing yeah. from your radio career, it's word economy. Right. These are our buildings, capital O-U-R, and they're just renting space. Mm-hmm. We must show our politicians, we the people, capitalized, of course, we the people are in charge. The uh, list buildings included not just the Capitol, but the House and the Senate office buildings, as well as CNN. Their note was to at least egg the doorway of CNN's headquarters. Britt, describe what you do on Halloween with all your friends when you egg a building. How does that work? You just throw eggs at the building. Um, And then the idea, hopefully, is that that you get to a crevice or something that they don't notice, and eventually the thing goes rotten. smells like pure sulfur in about a week or so. It's fantastic. Britt, my my house got egged on Halloween. It must have been about 15 years ago. And they, wait, they, oh, oh, wait a minute. They threw eggs at this wind, the, these uh, windows that are at the, on the second floor, and they're at the top of the entranceway. So, of course, on the other side of the entranceway is our house, and it's just, you know, 35 feet of, of ceiling up. You can't get to it. Yep. It's impossible. It. So I went about 14 years before having it cleaned off. And do you know what happens to eggs over 14 years on it's your not, windows? It's not good. It's hard to clean off. It's not, it's not, not good. Not good. You so I recommend of, you. The, the real damage for the egging is to a car's paint job because it kind of hardens yeah. that shell to it. You can really fuck up a paint job on a car pretty badly with eggs. Yeah. Well, it's it's not good for, <laughs> for, for windows either. I can no, tell you that. On a, all right. Back to the document. Page three. There was a necessity for a covert sleeper who would set up fake appointments, expected to spend the day as our insider and let people inside the building. So I'll stop right there. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? Not only was this not a, a, uh, a tourist visit gone bad. Okay. It was uh, maybe the most well-planned out attempt to invade since d-day okay (laughs) they had everything down they were ready to go fortunately they're not as smart as they thought they were and they're not as competent as they thought they were and it didn't work it didn't work because we had a few people but a few people that stopped it's not over. It was a dry run. It was a dress rehearsal. I mean, the next time they gain so much intelligence through this particular operation, that the next time they go at it, they'll they'll know a lot more. Well, that's, that, that's true. You're right. And in fact, all the video that, that we're seeing of what happened, they can look at it from a mm-hmm. much different point of view, which is, OK, here's what happened. We can make sure we don't do that again. So what you see happening to our people uh won't happen i don't know uh it's 
it's a bad prospect and and these are just bad people and i don't know how we're uh how we're gonna uh, squeeze this out of there um you got anything on your list i got a few more things here if you want to I was just listening to this podcast called Will Be Wild, which Amazon put out, and it's got it's really it's very good about January the sixth. And one of the officers, Michael Fanon, he's the guy that you see who was tased yeah. and he's crying for his life and talking yeah. about how he has kids and stuff. On on the the one that I was listening to most recently, he has he he's you know begging for his life and stuff. He he actually voted for Donald Trump in 2016. And he said that he he said he he said that he the the appeal to Trump was he kind of enjoyed his antics and he thought that eventually when he was elected president somebody would get in there and kind of calm him down and it just never happened and eventually you know that that is that is obviously not an outlier view of what was going on in 2016. It's almost hard to put put ourselves we who were never tempted uh, to, to vote for Donald just maybe. Maybe he might be okay. <laughs> it's all an act. But, you know, a lot we didn't we knew that, but a lot of people didn't know that or weren't sophisticated enough to to see through it or didn't want to. Um, in the case of uh, Fanon, who you know I've seen him a lot. He's really a a bright, smart, decent human being, and it's terrible he being an example that this is what it took for someone who's smart like him to say no i don't know who he voted for in 2020 that'd be a little bit more interesting it doesn't matter that he voted for him in 16 i mean it kind of does but it's more important that and you want to hope that someone like fanone didn't vote for him in 2020 that would be the lesson and that would go to uh, a lot of the the uh, logic as to why he got whooped by joe biden in the popular vote across the country even though donald trump got more people voting for him than anybody in american history except for joe biden <laughs> uh, but that doesn't matter that doesn't matter <laughs> it's a it's a very good uh podcast and a good it's called will be wild and they uh leon panetta's Who's on there? there a lot of people uh i can't remember who the but it, it's from the these people called pineapple street studios but amazon also partnered on it. it's very well done and they they've this very well researched like i said leon panetta the former uh secretary of defense and a lot of different people who were involved in uh january 6th uh chime in on the whole thing and they've got a real good series they were going to end it but then they decided to do a couple things on the hearings as well because they've been so compelling um so yeah i i would recommend that i just i found that to be very interesting and he you know he's a guy that saw it all the way like he said as a guy who who voted for him in 2016 and thought maybe he would uh, donald trump would turn it around yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then eventually <laughs> To be fair, he was close to turning it around. There were weren't all those moments, Britt, during the, the next four years. Wait, you ready? 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 I got the line for you. Ready? This is going to ring through your head. You're going to explode. Ready? He's finally become a real president. It's like every every time he was able to actually read the teleprompter for four minutes without going off script and saying something fucked up, then he's finally become a real president. 
They would say that every no. time, and it was never. It was never. It was never uh, I think. I think. He, I think he's got a real opportunity here to be uh, very presidential. It, it never. It never happened. I think very presidential. Remember when? When do you think the last time? Because he didn't do it, at least the last couple years, but during the campaign of 2016, and even during his presidency early on, and maybe at some of the rallies. Because remember, he did rallies for you know nonstop oh, sure. for four sure. years. Um, when he would do that act. Uh, well, I can be presidential, and he would turn and walk sideways back and forth. Yeah. I'm being presidential. I'm like a robot. I'm being a president. Remember that? Yeah. Just it's unbelievable. Just think about that. I wish he would have been presidential, like you know, Lincoln or McKinley or Kennedy. <laughs> That's the kind of. I was hoping he'd be that presidential. I don't know what you meant by that, but I'll have to look up what the commonality between those. Well, those guys. Lincoln had a secretary named Kennedy. Never mind. I don't want to. The primaries from any any big takeaways from the primaries? I mean, uh, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Nancy Mason, South Carolina, ends up surviving a Trump-supported uh, primaryist. Meanwhile, Tim Rice, the guy in South Carolina who voted to have him impeached, was uh, escorted toward the door. They had some the guy in Nevada who's a Clark County uh, sheriff. Uh, I think he's going to be the candidate for governor uh, on the Republican side. W- was it a, an overall win for Trump during those primaries on Tuesday? Uh, yeah, I'd give him the edge because he got you know two out of those three that you're you're talking about. Those are the the three most prominent. But but the problem uh, beyond and, and in the case of South Carolina, you know South Carolina better than I do, and uh, South Carolina is like a lot of states, very very different <laughs> uh, in different parts of yeah. the state, and the Nancy Mace district is the the uh, the coast. It's it's from Myrtle Beach on down uh, through Hilton Head. It's so that's the well. I'd say that's the wealthiest part, for the most part. It's a pretty yeah. Uh, I got some money. A lot of pe- right. A lot of people who are not from South Carolina who've moved there. You know that. So yeah, that's not a, a, an extremely Trumpy district. So she was able to to hang on there, and she kind of played the Glenn Youngkin card and stayed in the middle while distancing herself from trump but but being of his policies just enough so so she won plus plus she is she is the uh, south carolina milf of all the uh, uh delegation there so that it's does fair. help her it doesn't hurt right, right. Say that. now then the other district where the guy lost right mm, tim he, rice that, he's upstate he's way upstate there right or what is that what it's called that part you know, up, I, up through Greenville and Greenville, Spartanburg. Yeah, that's all. That's the Clemson yeah. district, sure. Right, right. And I think that's. Uh, uh, I think that'd be a little bit more rural for the most part, and and you know, able to be uh, uh, captured more easily by by Trumpers. So it, it it that's not a shocking result, one and one. Um, but the uh, race down in Texas down on the, the, the southern coast of Texas there, where a Democratic district now uh, goes Republican just for the couple months up until the election. I think it was a special election. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's noted that uh, um, uh, that, you know, that district has been Democratic almost forever. Mm-hmm. And. You know, well, uh, uh, Texas is uh, turning purple. It's going to get there. And then you see this. And, 
you know, at least the Texas version of Latino voters uh, seems to be more open to Republican ideas. Not that they have any, and that's not the point, right? No, no. it isn't the point. Um, the Republican ideas uh, are less reelect Trump. That's the Republican ideas, right? That is the right. Well, the the true Republican idea is the election in 2020 was stolen from Trump. Exactly. You have to go by that. Uh, in South Carolina, Nancy Mace is not a election was stolen from Trump person, yet she won as a Republican. And the other guy, who is the incumbent, voted to impeach Trump in the House. Uh, he had some, some actual uh, decency and did the right thing. And he's, he's uh, paid the price of, of doing the right thing. Because as you know, five years of this, in the Republican Party, you're rewarded for lying and you're punished for telling the truth. That really, for the most part, is still holding until it is broken. Out in Nevada, um, that guy, Laxalt, who I assume is the son of Senator Paul Laxalt, no longer with us, who was a, just a, a dreadful hack, just a dreadful hack, Senator Paul Laxalt, um, which, by the way, I'm having my driveway redone this mm -hmm. week, and I'm having it redone with Laxalt. It's going to be great. <laughs> does it seal it, really well? Does it take a little while to get that does. cured? Or it does. And and no matter how hot it gets, it doesn't expand. I, I suggest Laxalt. It's great stuff. Uh, but this is his son, and apparently he was uh, five shades of Trumpy Trumpish. He was Trumpy Trumpy Trumpish all the way, and it worked. So now the fear is that Nevada, which has been uh, pretty democratic, heavily unionized in Las Vegas with uh, the workers who work in the, the hotels and the in the casinos and places like that. Uh, it's a union state for the most part is uh, having second thoughts. Uh, and we don't know. We don't know what that's going to lead to because the name of the incumbent senator who is a Democrat, you wouldn't be able to think of that off the top of your head, nor would I without looking it up at she's a she's a non-entity democratic senator um and so she's probably vulnerable to being beaten if not just because laxalt has big name recognition in nevada one would of course think. so did jerry tarkanian and he couldn't win shit yeah it was his kid that was trying to run it was tarkanian's kid it was his son didn't, so jerry didn't run it was his son it was his son yeah yeah uh, but he never could get it done. Never did work for him there in Nevada. The basketball coach, Jerry. Jared. Did you know that they used to call him, he had a nickname, the Dolphin. That oh, the was jelly, what they called Mark. The Jellyfish is with Mark, it. Mark the Dolphin. That's, that's what his. Uh... <laughs> and if you believe that, uh, if you believe that uh, Lakers thing on, on uh, HBO, that he almost came to be the Which Lakers you do, coach. You keep <laughs> quoting it to me. It's fantastic. You should see it. Uh, there was a little bit of a problem with his agent ending up dead, and that's why he was never the coach of the L.A. Lakers, even though Dr. Buss wanted him. They've disputed that. agent died? Yeah, he was kind of found dead in a, in, a, in a trunk of a car somewhere, Brad. Uh, Britt, uh, Warren and I had an agent. Yeah. For my first uh, radio partner in the 80s, Mike Moore and I, we worked together in Washington and, and New York and Boston, and, and we got ourselves the person who may have been voted the worst agent in the history of agents ever, okay? 
I mean, we we were not in the position to to get Lee Steinberg or right. Michael Ovitz or some famous person like that. We got this, uh, and uh, God rest her soul. Her name was Michelle Coe, and Michelle was already how should we say, sort of advanced in years, and she lived in this dusty. This is uh, you can just picture this. You've seen this in the movies a million times. In in New York City, in an old apartment, clearly oh, rent controlled. She'd yeah. been there forever. The furniture had been there fifty years longer than she'd lived there, and and she was there. You know, her husband had long passed on, and she was supposedly an agent. I guess she was. And her claim to fame to us is that her late husband was good friends with the guy who just died, the guy who was the head of ABC in Capital Cities, Tom, uh, what the fuck is his name? Um, now I don't even remember his name. You have to look it up. Uh, he just died about, about two weeks ago, late, late 90s. Um, he ran ABC. He was, he was the biggest deal. And so because she knew him, she would be a great agent for us getting radio dobs. Oh, Tom Murphy. Tom Murphy was his name. That's what Okay. Right. So Murphy was, I mean, at that point, this is, we're talking early 80s, Murphy was, was the head of, of uh, Capital Cities ABC then. I mean, there were no this, bigger jobs in, in broadcasting would, than Murphy. This would have been the guy that sort of pitched to Johnny Carson when he was going through his contract dispute with NBC. Yeah. Oh, they, yeah. He yeah. was there. He was. He was the man. Okay. They, they, they made he, over. They made some very vague overtures because they didn't want to get into legal problems. But they went over to Joan Rivers' house and they made some very oblique overtures toward Johnny Carson to try to get him to go to ABC when they were going through yeah. that big contract uh, dispute. So, so Murphy ran this this company, Capital Cities Broadcasting, and all they had were TV stations in places like Buffalo and, and Birmingham. You know, just small. And, and and one day you open the uh, newspaper. Those are those are those are printed web pages, kids. Uh, you open the newspaper. <laughs> it's it's a blog made of wood, right? That's what that is. <laughs> and and the headline was Capital Cities buying ABC. Yeah. And ABC, of course, then was it might have even been the number one network at that point. Probably was. And so this was a, a minnow swallowing the whale, and it worked. And, you know, they did very, very well. And they hired Michael Eisner, and uh, then they bought Disney, and then Murphy retired. But anyway, so this agent, that's all she would ever tell us. I'm going to give Tom Murphy a call. It wasn't going to happen. Who fucking and, cares? And do what? Get us on That's Incredible? Or what, 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 why are you going to call him? It didn't, it didn't mean anything. Um <laughs> But you know she did. She did get us a gig. She didn't get it for us, but she she certainly helped and and negotiated our uh, uh, fantastic contract that we had in Boston in nineteen. 19- but she didn't end up dead in a trunk somewhere, so that you couldn't take the job as the Lakers point. head coach. We didn't. That's right. We didn't kill her. It had nothing. You know, and and uh, we were each able to continue on, and we were not turned down for jobs because we allegedly offed our agent. That was, we uh, liked her. By the way, that part. Of by the, the way, by the way, her wedding gift to Jane and I, because yeah. we got married in '85, right? And she got us a wedding gift was this beautiful silverware set, and we still use the silverware. That's amazing. So there you go. That's amazing. Because after we after we got in trouble in Charlotte, our agents were like, "Who, Brad, what, Britt? Yeah. I don't. Are, are we? I'm, I haven't. I don't think we met. I don't think we've. Right. Rightfully uh, so. 
rightfully so. We Speaking of it. things that you were talking about, something that doesn't mean anything, something that does mean something, this is the breaking news. The Fed doing what they thought we thought they would do. Uh, 75 base points or basis points. Which is the correct way to say that, Brad? Basis points or BIPs. The, the, the BIPs. real shorthand is, is BIPs. There they are trying to. It seems like they're attempting to play catch-up, obviously, as inflation continues to rise across America and they flag the slowing economy. 70, so it's going to cost more money to borrow money uh, overnight for the banks. That is what that means, and that means that everything is they're – trying, they're trying to catch up. Is what they're trying to do here, right? Well, this was, uh, and, and you know, we're we're just working off the headline, yeah, because um, it's happening as we're we're, we're speaking here, and there'll, there'll be some color added to not only the the uh, the point seven five rise, but the the prospects for the future and the way the Federal Reserve sees the economy going. And uh, whether they see any signs of inflation starting to um, uh, ebb back downwards uh, after reaching some kind of a peak, because some areas of the economy they are, and you know maybe it's happening. You know what? It happened seemingly quickly. You know, the last four or five months, right? It really started to gallop away, and and th- this I have no basis to say this. I have no proof that, that this is going to happen. <laughs> But it really does seem like things in the financial markets in particular happen in quicker cycles than they used to. Um, so it was always thought, well, um, staircase up, but elevator down, okay, with the stock market, for instance. Correct. And we've seen elevator down in the last, you know, six months. It's just boom, down 20% beyond that, depending on where you're located in the markets. Um, But bounce backs, they could be severe in the other direction. They could catch you sleeping in the other direction. So explain uh, that. Go go into a little detail on that. What do you, what you mean when you say that? Well, it's, it's, it's just impossible to know what stock prices are going to do, certainly over the short term let alone the, the longer term. But the shorter you, you get to today, the more difficult it is to uh, try to figure things out. Um, the day traders who sit there in front of computers like the one I'm sitting in front of and make split-second trades and decisions, and God bless them. They're, they're, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they've been doing recently. Um, but I guess if you six months ago, eight months ago, made a decision that inflation is going to really screw things up and you repositioned yourself appropriately, um, you've been able to make a lot of money recently. But for most people, that's not the the world in which we live. We don't do that. Uh, and right now, uh, things look really, really perilous because there's no balance. The Things are out of balance in terms of the real interest rate versus inflation. Because, you know, the real interest rates are still just historically low. For instance, I think something that everybody understands are mortgage rates. Everybody yeah. knows that because, you know, if you bought a house, you know exactly about what they are or where they've been or what your you know, everybody knows what their mortgage rate is. You're more like you're more likely to have your mortgage rate memorized than you are your Social Security number. 
Okay. I, I do know what mine knows. is. That's correct. Everybody knows. What's yours? Well, I have an adjustable, and it doesn't reset mm. until February, so I'm right now at 2.75. Although there is a governor on what's it. it the also, what's the maximum it can go up in one I cycle? I think it's just a point. I think the, the, I think oh. the, the governor on that is like a point. But it won't reset until February. every year. They readjust it every year, then. Yeah, so it, maybe every every couple of years. But it's yeah, February. It re readjusts on February the first of twenty twenty three. Yeah. Well, you're starting from a low base. Yeah. Uh, uh, but you know, you'll you'll feel it. It'll, oh yeah, it'll, it'll make a big difference. It'll, it'll happen. A lot of people are feeling it way before I do. Now the but you're 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 telling me that the. Um, when it goes to the other side and when the economy turns around, inflation gets kind of turned around and the economy starts going, you want the Fed to be able to be flexible enough to reduce and cut those rates so that people who are trying to borrow money to do stuff like open businesses, they want to be, you want to be able to have them borrow money fairly easily. Yeah, but that's, that's a dangerous game that they're playing. Right. You, you know, you, if you're behind the curve, which they are, yeah. and they're playing catch up right now, and the history says, history says, if you want to compare this to the the uh, late seventies, early eighties inflation that was substantially higher than we have right now. Right. In order to uh, tame inflation right now, as it was tamed back then, we'd have to have twenty percent interest rates. Right. Well, we're not going to have twenty percent interest rates. That's not going to happen. They're not going to raise them that high. Um, so what happened on Wednesday? Uh, thrown out a three quarters of a point rise, and by the way, uh, by this week there were a lot of folks saying, "Go for a full point, one hundred basis points, not just right. seventy-five. Go, yeah. go for it all. Show us how serious you are about inflation. Take your medicine now. Get it done. Right. Nail it down, and let the world know." And uh, you will be rewarded sooner rather than later because incrementalism doesn't work. And the other problem with, with this whole story is that whatever they're doing today, you're not going to feel it actually for many, many months. It's not going to change the way uh, people behave instantly. But if it changes the perception of people, if it changes the um, sentiment, of uh, investors overall, if suddenly investors say, you know what, maybe they are serious about inflation, and I can start to look a little bit further out and think that things are going to get better. So, well, these stocks are down. Maybe I should buy some now because, you know, they're, they're, they're being serious about it, and they're not going to let the, the, the world fall apart. That's, you, can, you can cut it 25 different ways well, let me, if you want to. I, let I, me I'll tell you this. I, I, I'll, and I'll tell you about my, my discussion with my guy. Yes, I had my discussion with my guy okay. in New York yesterday about this. And um, What's his level of concern? Well, <laughs> this is like talking to a guy. Yeah. The same kind of people you see on, on CNBC, on their noon show, on their five. He's one of those guys. This is a, and I'll even name the, uh, the, uh, the company, Enron Investing. They're great. You've heard, you've heard of Enron. <laughs> Enron, yeah, they do a great job. <laughs> no, it's, 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 um, this is not a commercial then. It's Morgan Stanley. No, Morgan Stanley. Uh, yeah, one of the more popular ones. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
and uh, uh, it's like talking to one of the guys you see on, on, on TV, and they're, they're all very conversant. They all have their opinions, um, but they're, they're, they're TV talking heads. So this is just a one-on-one conversation as, as human beings, but I got to ask him a lot of the questions that you see uh, floating across your screen or, or in, a, in a newspaper or, or on your screen about what's going on from an individual standpoint. And here's the bottom line. This is the bottom line. Uh, and I'll tell you, I, I was very nervous over the weekend. I'm still nervous right now. But if you have enough money, if you have enough money that for the next at least two to three years at least, no matter what happens in the stock market, your life will not be affected. You, you will not be able to, uh, you, you'll still be able to pay every bill that comes in. Right. If the visa bill is twice what it was normally because you had to do something, it doesn't matter. You've got the money to cover it and it's not going to change. If that's the financial situation you find yourself in, you're best off not doing a lot, making maybe some adjustments around the edge. If you have investments or, or, or funds that are your own that aren't inside of a 401k where you really don't have that much control anyway. Um, but if you need money right now, uh, I wouldn't have it in the stock market for hmm. the most part. I'd leave some in, but I'd, I'd cut my, my allocation you know, to less than 50%. Right. And that way, that way you live, live to see another day, and you might actually get lucky. And if you have the nerve, if, if we go down another 20 or 30%, if you have the nerve, you'll, buy, you'll try to buy closer to the bottom than, than it is right now. But it's hard to do. It is. And here's why, here's why it's hard to do. For people to think that, well, things suck right now. They're just going to get worse. I'm going to go to zero money in the markets because I'm going to buy it back when it's cheaper. What could be better than that? What oh, could no. be better than oh. if, if Apple is at 135 and and you bought it at 150 you're down 15 bucks out of the one. Okay, it'll take the loss right now. But you know what? I'm going to buy it back because it's going to 190 again because it's been at there. It's not that far off. Right. And I'm so good, I'm going to do that. You know what happens? When it's down at 100 or 90, the headlines are so negative. They're yeah. so bad. It's true. That you go, fuck, I'm not buying it now. The, the, we're about to go into a depression. I'm not going to buy now. And the next thing you know, you've missed the turn. Yeah. And that's what happens to almost everybody. And that's why even the most professional people, the most professional people, one of whom I was talking to yesterday, um, doesn't play that game. Yep. They, they don't play that game. And it's, it's all where you are in your life. Can you afford to ride it out? Um, because history is a good teacher. However, I will throw in the caveat, maybe this time is different. Maybe the world is coming to an end. Well, and in which case, it doesn't matter how much money you have in the market. It anyway. doesn't matter. <laughs> right? if, if the if, mo- if, yeah. 
If the more people start giggling over Charlotte and we get the uh, the kickback on radiation, it won't matter. No, it won't matter. It doesn't matter how much Dogecoin you have at that point. Uh, the real saving grace for the economy has been the low unemployment rate. Is there some fear that at some point this high inflation will stifle demand and eventually will lead to some layoffs and people becoming unemployed, but that unemployment rate creeping up? Do you see that happening at well, all? It already is. It, yeah. it already is. You, if, if you Google uh, layoffs... It, they're, they're already starting, not on a mass scale, but uh, without going that far, what's going on is uh, nobody's hiring now at the rate that they were. Mm. Okay. So once you slow down hiring, the next thing you know, you're to zero hiring. And then the next thing you know, after that, you're, you're cutting. And of course, all these companies in the uh, wonderful, wonderful world of crypto, that's eight o'clock Sunday night right before the wonderful world of Disney <laughs> and the wonderful, you know, they are firing people right now. Those, those companies that that's not a ton of people, obviously, but it's an indicator that certainly that segment of the, uh, of the economy is just, just dead in the water, which probably means it's time to buy crypto. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is again, if you like, if you like Bitcoin at 56,000, you got to love it at 19. Okay, it's on sale, um, but it could be five thousand. So I don't know. And again, not my game. I don't uh, trust it. I don't. I just don't trust that Bitcoin thing. I think it's a massive scam all the way no, around. No, no. Uh, but if you if you know your your economic uh, rules, the the mandate for the Federal Reserve, which I think they they laid, the, I think this was part of their original charter in the nineteen teens or whenever, is uh, they're concerned with with two things. These are the two things that they they need to always address: unemployment and inflation. Okay, those are the two things, and uh, if inflation goes up, and the steps are taken to try to stem inflation. We've seen over the last hundred years that almost invariably that doesn't just lead to layoffs and it does, but you often get a recession. On the other hand, as you know, the most pathetic joke is economists have predicted 15 of the last eight recessions. (laughs) They're really good at that. But this time it looks to me, looks to me like this isn't just a function of you know, what we're doing, what interest rates are, the price of oil, which is largely, no matter what President Biden is doing, and he's just fucking this up royally, he's just blowing this so bad because there's no way out of the box. And he's saying things that are uh, demonstrably kind of stupid and contradictory, and they're not going to get anywhere. And uh, if you're an old guy like me, you remember the phrase windfall profits tax. That was the big one that they used to throw out at the oil company and their obscene profits. We need a windfall profits tax. Well, you know what? You're right. Except here's the problem. It's very simple. If you're an oil company, if you're a refiner of of oil, and, and sometimes that's one and the same, the biggest refining company in the country that builds the most is Exxon. So it is one and the same. They're not not separate. Um, If you think that in a situation where we have high gas prices, 
because the supply just isn't there for doesn't matter what the reason is, but the supply just isn't there that American oil companies are going to respond to you proposing the modern equivalent of a windfall profits tax while you order them to pump more oil right now to be good patriotic Americans. It's not going to work. Well, what happens? Work. What happens to that tax? They pass that on to the consumer. Come on. But, but wait. Again, I mean, I, I hate to be condescending here, but Brit, if you want more of something, what do you do? Do you put a tax on it, or do you not put a tax on it? Right. This isn't supply side economics. This is just just fact. Of course, you don't tax it more. What incentive? do the oil companies which i know much to the to the chagrin of uh, some folks are still private companies there we don't have pemex like mexico does that's the mexican oil you know they have a monopoly down there or aramco saudi arabia monopoly there we have private oil companies here um what what makes you think that they're just going to knuckle under and cut their profitability by instantly which they can't anyway but pretend they could next week bring up 30 percent more oil than they have been so that you can tax the shit out of it so that they don't make much money off of it for the because it makes them feel good and it makes the country feel good about oil companies again it's that makes no sense Mm. You, you can't do it and, and, and then you couple that with him going to Saudi Arabia. Uh, by the way, congratulations. Are you there to give Phil Mickelson cover? Okay. <laughs> well, wait a minute. There's a little bit of a difference between the president visiting Saudi Arabia and Phil Mickelson. Saying, there's a I know that. Difference. I understand that. But you get the point. There's a huge difference. It, it's, it's, right. But, you know, this isn't your daddy's Saudi Arabia. And there have been a lot of things in the last few decades that have changed the special relationship we've we've had with them, which was forged, I believe, initially by FDR. Um, I mean, Biden has and he's getting blamed for high oil and he didn't do it, but it doesn't matter. And and we really are moving into Jimmy Carterville here on this, where a problem that is not necessarily of his own making is being addressed by a well-meaning but unable to handle the circumstances kind of democratic president. And, you know, there are some memos and I'd never seen these before. I don't know if you're, you're aware of these Um, in 1977. So this is Carter's first year in office first year. He got a memo from a guy who was the head of the Office of Science and Technology Policy. This is dated July 7, 1977. Carter's only been in office for seven months. And at that point, he had already put solar panels on top of the White House. He had also announced a national renewable energy plan. Right. And he gave that famous address address where he said, we've got to start right now. This is 1977, developing new unconventional sources of energy that we will rely on in the next century. So 23 years before the next century started, Jimmy Carter said, obviously, the right thing. To which he was widely mocked, wasn't he? He was widely derided for these sort of things? 
Right, right. The name of the guy who wrote this was uh, Frank Press, who was the chief science advisor. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. You'll remember this. One of the first things Ronald Reagan did when he got in the White House was what did he do with those solar panels? Exactly. Threw them right in the garbage, threw them right in the trash, got them off of the White House and got, got rid of them. And I'm not even kidding about that. You can look that one up. Right. Right. So Carter gets this this memo and he, he he does some of these things. But for the most part, even Jimmy Carter could see that politically it was an impossibility to go all in at that time with the the uh, benefit of, you know, uh, f- almost 50 years of uh, hindsight. You know, he couldn't even do it then where. It was, but we, you know, we already had the problem of dependence on foreign oil that was topic A, all over the place. We'd already had the first oil embargo with gas lines and odd even days, and uh, and the la- I think it was the last number on your license plate. If it was an odd number, you got Monday, That's Wednesday, right. Friday. It was, That's right. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it, was, it was unbelievable. Um, so we're, you know, we're all these years later and. And this would be the perfect example of uh, why are we doing it this way? Because that's the way we've we've always done it. Um, and the Republicans almost don't have to do anything on this issue. Um, your your local Exxon station or your your local Sitco or Petro is is doing it for you inadvertently just because they do display the price of gasoline every day, and that's the that's a huge campaign commercial against the incumbent party who's ever in place at the time. And I don't see how that's, that's going to change all that quickly. However, I'll leave myself some room here that if perceptions change quickly, if people's spending habits begin to change, if everybody takes their fuck you vacation already, I've been locked up all this time, gets it out of their system right, does their traveling and starts to pull their horns back. And now uh, the price of physical goods is uh, starting to go down. Target, Walmart, they're all cutting prices on a lot of shit because they, they thought that we'd, uh, we'd have a stay-at-home economy forever and people would be buying um, air fryers <laughs> forever. <laughs> you know what, after you get one, you probably don't need another one for a while. But, okay, so they misordered. So prices are going to fall in those area and the, the price of services is going to keep going up. So spending is going to change, but that could change too, because I think you tell me what, and I, I've heard some people bring this up. It may be true or maybe not true. The uh, several thousand dollars that people got in their pockets in uh, 2020 and 2021 from the government, those 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 checks or mm-hmm. showed up in your bank account, direct deposits of all that money, that that money is now in the process of being spent out. It's mm-hmm. just about spent out. And mm-hmm. clearly, if people are having to pay more for rent or things like that, it's going to be spent out pretty quickly. It isn't that much money, right? It just it just isn't. It's not enough to sustain you. Um, so once that money goes away and once companies start to pull in their horns and, and, and slow down their investment spending and slow down their hiring, if not start to starting to lay off people, maybe this does happen more quickly than not. When, and remember, long-term predictions are bullshit because 
uh, at the in the back half of 2021, on a day just like today, when the Federal Reserve was announcing what they were going to do for the next few, you know, next cycle on interest rates, the chairman of the Federal Reserve and conventional wisdom made it very, very clear that they were not going to be raising interest rates for sure until 2023. There's just no way we're going to need to be raised. We don't see it possible. Okay. So they didn't see the inflation that was there. And they didn't see the possibility of rising interest rates. Well, now we've got interest rates that are going to be going up, 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 up. Um, But maybe it'll work this time in a way that we can't foresee because of all the other things that are are going on. It could happen more quickly, or this could just be several years of, of horrid, horrid economic times for a lot of people. Um, but when the financial markets fall, you know, the wealth effect starts to go away. Every idiot who bought a second house or a third house during the pandemic because they had huge stock market gains, well, I can go, well, guess what? Now you don't. Now what are you going to do? Now you got a second house. What are you going to do with that? Well, put it on the market. Oh, wait a minute. If everybody puts their second house on the market that they couldn't afford it, guess what's going to happen? Price of real estate is going to start to fall. And the price of a 30-year mortgage just doubled in the last few months. It went from 3% to 6%. 6%, I'm going to die. Well, 6% is twice what it was, and so your payments go way up compared to that. But historically... 6% is still a great mortgage level, but nobody wants to hear that. They don't care. It's not relevant. It's like saying, yeah, but the Oakland Raiders won the Super Bowl 20 years ago. I don't <laughs> care. I wasn't around 20 years ago, and it doesn't matter to me. They, they're not doing it now. And I'm buying a house now, and 6% is way higher because Britt Whitmire, with his clever little – Mortgage there of 2.7. He's kicking my ass. I am destroying you. Just wait till February. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the, the answer is I don't have the answer. Uh, I'm going to sit tight for now and, and take my lumps. Yep. And, and I can live with it. I can, I can get through the next, the next couple of years. Um, and you know what? If I have to start selling things, here's the first thing I'm going to be selling. Oh, there it is. Uh, I have uh, a can of Ecologic Ant and Roach Killer right next to me. Bad for bugs, good for the environment. Yes. If there are ever ants while I'm talking here, I can just, just take them out. Shit. Take them out right there. Right, right, right there. So don't don't think that I don't have things that I can't put out on the street and sell and get some uh, get some money for. All right. Any. Uh, Anything else we we need to do? By the way, has another Herschel Walker child been identified since we've been on? They just We're got not- another one. They're, they're not sure if it's Evander Holyfields or his, but they're trying to figure it out right now. Maury Povich has all the answers this afternoon. Yeah, Herschel Walker, you are the father. There you go. Perfect. <laughs>